Welcome to season four of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Over the past three years, we've been featuring exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. We'll continue that this season, and we're taking it up a notch as we seek to bring you cutting-edge insights not only about marketing, but about all aspects of your journey as an author. We can't wait to share everything you'll need to be successful in spreading your important work with the world. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, and a strategic book marketer, avid reader, runner, mom, and wife. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Also, be sure to visit weavinginfluence.com and click the blog tab to find all the notes and links for each show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson, and I'm so glad to be back again with Juliet Starrett, one of the authors of Built to Move with her husband, Kelly. and. I invited Juliet to come back for a part two of our conversation because when we recorded last time, there was so much gold in her perspectives about book marketing. We didn't get to finish our conversation, so I wanted to invite you to continue to learn with Juliet. And I want to own that we recorded the first part of this uh, show several weeks ago, so this is two different episodes. If you missed the first one, definitely go back and listen to it. Um, But I'm just going to give you a disclaimer that neither of us remember exactly what we covered the first time. And so if we repeat (laughs) ourselves, it's probably just good reinforcement of the learning. And so... Um, That's just how it's going to be today. All right, Juliet. So uh, I I do know that last time we were talking a lot about the background and history of you and Kelly and how you've built an amazing platform that has helped propel you onto the New York Times bestseller list. So let's start with an area that I'm always curious about. I don't think we talked about this last time. What, if anything, did you do to proactively drive early Amazon reviews and what worked best for you as it relates to Amazon reviews? Sure. Um, you know, I would say we took a very proactive approach. Um, you know, I'll go back even before Amazon reviews that we collected the blurbs, the sort of editorial blurbs for our book, like almost a year in advance of its publication. Um, you know, we had a very skeletal book at that point, and we were able to reach out to a bunch of friends and um, colleagues to get our editorial reviews. But then, you know, basically the moment the book came out, um, we had we had been creating a couple of different email lists um, in preparation for this book, and we did carve out uh, what we called kind of a super user list um, of, of people in our universe that follow us on email and probably also on social who are most active. You know, they buy multiple things for us from us. They engage with our content. Um, you know, we we use the phrase super user to describe those people, but we created a carved out list of those people, which I think is around 10,000 people on our list. So it's a pretty, you know, it's a small part of our list, which is like 130,000 total people. But we felt like these are really engaged people, the kind of people that we could, you know, make this special ask of. So we sent them a dedicated email um, the week of launch uh, and let them know, you know, they also got an email that the book was out. But And and I want to say the timing was maybe, um, you know, the book came out on a Tuesday. I think the timing was the Monday after the book came out that they got that email. And, you know, it was really a personal ask from Kelly and I saying, hey, you know, thank you for all your support over the years. 
um, hoping we can sort of reach out one more time to see if you can help us. Amazon reviews really do help get, you know, get the word out and the book out and, you know, users actually really read them. So they are really helpful to us. And so we did that approach. Um, we also asked all of our friends and family to write reviews. Um, and a lot of them did. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the sort of feeling is on that, but we, we definitely asked all of our friends and family and, you know, I mean, you know, not all of them do, you know, you ask people and some do and some don't. Um, and then we also did make a specific, we waited until May, um, our book came out April 4th. We waited about, I think it was five or six weeks after launch. And we actually made a, a we actually made a specific request on our ready state uh, Instagram channel, which is our biggest channel. And we, we then took a moment to ask people to take you know if they we figured a lot of people had gotten the book by then actually had a chance to consume it and asked if they could just take a moment to write reviews and you know we still as we're out there in the world um just talking to people in person and talking about the book you know coming on the podcast we still actually sort of make a plea for requests for reviews for people who like the book um because it does really in our view make a difference um, you know, it's still, it's hard to get reviews. I mean, I think even right now our book has like, I don't know, 375 reviews or something, but I want it to have over a thousand reviews, right? So that's just something we want to continue. You know, we will continue keeping an eye on the Amazon reviews for sure. So I'm really curious to hear, it doesn't sound like you sent out any advanced publication copies for the purposes of people being able to read the book before the publication date to do reviews. Is that true? No, we did. We did two separate sets of advanced copy mailings. So we did um, an earlier galley copy to about 175 people that we would describe as like influencer types in the health and fitness space. Um, so most of whom were people we had a connection with and the ones we didn't, we reached out to them through DM via Instagram, um, to get them, uh, you know, so we asked if they, we could get their address, if they'd be interested in an early copy of the book and be willing, you know, our ask was, would you be willing to share it with your audience and or write an Amazon review? So we sent that, we sent those out actually in January. Um, and those are people who tend to have their smaller influencers, like people with more like 10 to 20,000 Instagram followers type folks, um, maybe some with a bit more reach. And then we did send another um, 75 actual advanced copies. Um, and those went out, I think, about a week, if not two. Th those, I think, went out two weeks before publication. Um, and we put those in a fancy branded box which we paid for, not our publisher. Um, we put those in a fancy branded box and we also included some designed letters in those boxes. And we, we gave people some action items in there. Um, we gave people sort of a choice of things they could do in that letter. Um, you know, and one of those things was asking for reviews, but we asked if people would be willing to share, you know, write a review, um, mention it in an email. We, we gave them some specific action items. And then the other thing that we did is we included a QR code on that letter. Um, and the QR code went directly to a Google Drive folder that had a ton of assets because what we've learned over the years, especially as people that are on the receiving end of a lot of books, we also, you know, because we're in this author circuit, we receive a lot of books and we have a lot of friends who write books. And so we, you know, we probably get a, a couple of books a month that we're being asked to share and promote. And what we've learned as receivers is the easier people can make it for us, the more likely we are to post. So 
in that folder of assets, you know, we have multiple types of sample copy for Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, you know, we have basically a swipe copy. We have sample email copy people can use. We have photos of the book and like grass and, you know, plants and like all sorts of like arty photos of the book everywhere and, you know, use books. And, and then we have, we actually include a couple of video, uh, like real type things about the book people can include. So, so that asset folder was dense. You know, there are probably between photos and swipe copy, probably like 75 different ways people could easily just go in, you know, use, they used a QR code. They could just do that from their phone directly from their advanced copy mailing and post um, so, so yeah, we did, we did both those waves and, you know, as you know, it's, it's still, you sent, you know, so I want to say between the early influencer mailing and our advanced copy mailing, we sent, you know, maybe two or 200 or 225 books out to people, you know, some people with small followings, some people with very large followings, and it's a real mixed bag. You know, some people receive the book and never post and some people do. And, you know, so it is a bit of a, you know, it, it's a bit of a sort of cross your fingers and, and hope, but you know, we, uh, you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of people post. Um, and then as a follow-up, after we had two separate lists, so we had a list of emails of everyone we sent sent the early copy to, and we had a list of the advanced copy, and both of them received a follow-up email saying, hey, by now you should have received your advanced copy or your early copy of Built to Move. Just as a reminder, here are things that, you know, we hope you can do again, listed it and again, put a link to that asset folder. So, you know, we tried to hit them in multiple ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I always recommend that idea of an asset folder to make it as easy as possible for people to help share your book. And I don't know, Juliet, if that's still out there, but I would love to put a link in the show notes so people can see oh, yeah. a great example. Um, yeah. I'm curious about what kind of feedback you got with the boxes. So we are seeing a trend with our clients as well of creating these influencer boxes. You know, some are really over the top with what's included and some are just a box with a book. Um and so I'm curious, from my perspective, it seems like what you want is that people get the box and they like film a video of the box or they take a picture of the box or they use that for their social sharing. So how much of that did you see? We did see a little bit of that, not that much. And, and you know, this was our first time doing that. You know, in the past, we just sent things like in an envelope and we had always... We had always included in our prior book still a letter with sort of action items for people. And, you know, this was the first time we included a QR code that made it really easy for people. But we always had a link of assets in a folder somewhere. Um, but this is the first time we had the branded box. And I do think, you know, maybe of the, I don't know, 125 branded boxes we sent out, we maybe got like eight unboxing videos or something from it, right? Like okay. not a ton. Um, and again, we've been on the receiving end of a bunch of these branded boxes. Um, and, and also a lot of authors we see aren't just including the book, they're including some gifts in there. Um, and we thought about doing that, but honestly, we just felt like when we'd received those gifts, most of them were just kind of tchotchkes that we ended up like not using or ultimately like ended up in our garage and going to Goodwill, like the, the, because I just think in those mass quantities, it's hard to send a really awesome gift to a bunch of people. So, so as receivers, we haven't loved the gifting. I mean, when I've received the fully branded box of which I've only received two or three of them in the past, I, I will say that in a weird psychological way, it heightens my 
feeling of obligation to make sure that I am promoting the book, right? I don't know why. I, I, I Again, I don't know whether any other receivers feel that, but I do feel like it feels more like a gift and something special. And, you know, it, it like feels like this item you get versus you get one of a million other books in a brown envelope with kind of well, just you open it and whatever. It, it feels more like an event. Um, and so, so again, I mean, you know, it, we did find a relatively affordable box, you know, box maker. Um, we packed the boxes ourselves in our office with our own staff. You know, we didn't have someone doing that for us. And, you know, Kelly and I, like we wrote the letters that went inside and signed them. And, you know, so we were very hands-on with that process um, because we, we wanted to make it feel really personal. We could tell, like, you can tell also when you get those boxes, if it's like someone from the outside has written that, Right. And those letters, especially to the advanced copy recipients who presumably are people who have quite a bit of influence, those people are going to see through it in two seconds if your, you know, assistant or your marketing company has written that for you. Like you really want to, we, we feel like that's an opportunity to really like speak personally to people about why this book has meaning to us and why we're hoping it gets out into the world. And so, so we were very hands-on with that process. So yeah, I, I, you know, I'd be hard pressed to say, especially, you know, for people who are writing a smaller book with a smaller budget, I'd be hard pressed to say that I have like a good data to show that there was return on investment on the boxes. Um, but they were fun and cool. And it, I think probably made it feel more exciting for people when they got it. I'm sure there's that relationship benefit that you may not be able to like tangibly measure the return on the investment of the box, but you know that it connects you to the people who are receiving it. So yeah. I'm curious, Juliet, is there anything that you and Kelly did that you wouldn't recommend to other authors? You know, some approach that you've tried that just fell flat, any kind of mistakes or lessons learned? Oh, man. Um, you know, we leaned extremely heavily into podcasting for this. We've always podcasted and we've podcasted around our other books. And we, I think I mentioned on the prior episode, I want to say in this calendar year, 2023, we're now mid-July. We've probably been on 75 podcasts, if not more. Um, so we said yes to everything. Um, and and that that is a blessing and a curse for us, by the way, as humans. Like we tend to always say yes um, and we struggle to say no. And I think that that has really helped us in many ways. And then, you know, in other ways, we, we have gotten spread thin by always saying yes. Um, but, you know, it was interesting because there there have been a few big podcasts we've been on where you can see the effect immediately, right? Like in a pod, like we were on Rich Roll. I can't remember when we spoke, but our episode on Rich Roll came out at the end of June and it bumped our book back into the top 100 on Amazon from like 225 or something, right? So I think when you and I talked, our book was like at 200 and something, and just that one podcast episode bumped our book back up into the top 100, which is pretty amazing three months out, you know? Um, so the big, huge podcast with big reach can really make a difference. And then again, it's hard to tell, you know, a lot of these smaller podcasts, um, it's hard to tell. It's So I, I don't know. I think maybe if I had it to over again, just from a work pain standpoint, I think maybe we would have done fewer podcasts. Um, because what I really saw is the big podcasts clearly moved the needle in terms of book sales. That was obvious. We were also on 10% happier. Kelly sat on Tim Ferriss's podcast. You know, we've been on some big podcasts. Those clearly moved the needle. Like that was obvious. 
Um, and then the other thing that was surprising to me is how much a bunch of pieces of print media move the needle. That actually really surprised me. I, I was sort of like, partly because we do so much digital marketing in our company and we live in this very podcast social media universe more with our company and we're consumers of print media ourselves as, as individuals but um we actually had a few media pieces like there was a piece that came out in the guardian about the book um the week of launch and i hadn't thought about the fact that it would all of a sudden end up in everyone's Apple newsfeed here in the US, right? Like I thought, okay, well, that Guardian piece is great. It's going to sell books in the UK, which it did. Um, so there were a variety of print media pieces that I found to be unexpectedly really helpful. So, you know, I think trying for, for authors, I think trying to figure out this balance between making sure that you don't lean, I think we maybe leaned a bit too heavily on podcasting and probably could have focused a little bit more on print media. Um, some kind of better balance there. I think if I had it to do over again. Well, and I'm pretty sure I saw an article that got picked up from you guys on Apple News that was about push-ups. Was that the Guardian yeah. piece? I can't remember. We did have a couple of UK pieces and I, I can't remember. You know, I cannot remember at this point. We've so side note, library, but... yeah. Did you hire an a PR firm to land those media ones for you or how much of that was in-house versus an outside publicist? So about three weeks before we launched the book, we did decide to bring on an outside PR firm. And the piece of advice I would have there is that we've heard from our agent and others that, that uh, outside PR firms and in-house publisher publicists can work really well together, but there, that also can be a source of tension. And so we just want to make sure that that would be a really easy relationship and, and made sure that we worked with a PR firm that had worked with our specific publisher before they understood how they worked and so that we could work together smoothly. And, um, I think that was a good call because it really was a very seamless situation. Everybody worked well together, you know, kept everybody in the loop on what the other was doing. And so it, it was a, it was a great time to sort of make sure that we kind of kept the media buzz going post book launch. That's super helpful. So I'm curious when you look back, you know, on the few months of the campaign so far, what stands out to you as the reason why this book is taking off in the way that it is that you're getting the success that you're getting? You know, I think it's hard. It's always hard to really pinpoint anything. I mean, I do think this you know, media podcast extravaganza that we've been on is certainly a factor, but I think what's happening is what I hope happens and what I believe actually, and you could, you could, you know, disabuse me of this, but what I believe sells books ultimately over time, and that is word of mouth starts to kick in at some point. Um, and so people start gifting the book, um, talking about it with their peers. You know, we think what's one of the things that's fun about this book is there's a lot of tests that you can do that are fun to do with your family members and, you know, call out and say, hey, can you do the sit and rise test? Or have you ever tried the couch test? And so there's a way to kind of loop in community with this a bit. And so, you know, I definitely am a believer that at some point the like word of mouth machine begins, you know, I think we, we really firmly believe that happened with Supple Leopard. Now, keep in mind, we continued and continue to market that book, even though it came out 10 years ago. So it's not that we just, you know, took our foot off the gas and said, you know, here we go to, you know, word of mouth. But I do think there's something to say 
for creating enough buzz and enough reason for conversation that word of mouth starts to take over. And I think the other thing is, you know, I do think that we wrote a book that is accessible and that people enjoy reading and actually will find themselves doing the things in the book that we recommend. And then I think that also becomes a point of conversation and it's like, wow, I learned this and I've been doing this. And so I, I really, I think we can't underestimate the word of mouth machine in this, in this book marketing situation. Yeah, that is brilliant. So I want to go back to what you and I talked about in the first episode. One of the things that you said is that this book has a really broad audience. And so for those of us who are fortunate enough to stumble upon an idea that almost everyone could benefit from accessing, then that word of mouth machine will have a lot more power. So I want to take just a moment to tell you a little bit about my experience with Built to Move um, as a means of illustrating this. And then I want to let Juliet talk a bit about the book, because I think all of you who are listening, even though this is a book marketing podcast, um, because this book has such a broad appeal, it may be one that you want to buy as well. So um, this is not something I usually do in terms of recommending books on my podcast. And side note, my husband had this brilliant idea today. He said that my name's Rebecca. Everybody calls me Becky, but he said I should start calling my book recommendations Rebecca Mendations. So I'm just going to pull yes. this out today. So my first I love it. My first Rebecca Mendation is built to move, and here's why. <laughs> so just a little bit of background here. I text with my best friend every day, and she texted me one day and said, Hey, have you heard about this book? built to move. I'm working through the book and the tests, like you should get it and we should try it together. And so I right away said, well, hey, I've met the author. I'm going to interview her for my podcast. But that prompted me to download the book on the Libby app, which is a free library app. It prompted me when I went to the office the following Monday to talk to my um, somewhat sedentary office mate who shall remain unnamed. And she got out of her chair and we tried the sit and rise test together. And I told her, hey, like, I know you're not into exercise, but I think this book, you know, we're both in our 50s. This book would help you because you want to have a better life. So I recommended the book to that person who shall remain unnamed. I did try the test with my husband and my daughter. Um, I texted a friend who is like a physical trainer and asked her if she had gotten the book. I told her I thought it would be great for her clients. And we had like a long text conversation. So this is like the word of mouth magic that happens when you write a book that is so practical and accessible and helpful. Um, so that's my little story. Um, so Juliet, let's yeah. talk a little bit about about what you and I were talking about before we were recording about, you know, what's so magic about this book. So this book came from a place in our life where we were seeing this massive amount of information on the internet, all about health and fitness. And, you know, we'd spent our career up to that point trying to make the best athletes in the world better. And, you know, trying to work on these little micro things that could help people become better at what they're doing in, in very specialized ways in sport. Um, but we also were parents raising two kids in a suburban neighborhood in where we live in Marin County. And, you know, our friend group turned out to be a lot of the parents of our kids, friend, you know, our, our kids' friends. And, you know, these are busy working parents who do actually really care about their health. But we saw that they were overwhelmed and confused by all the information out there in the world. And we felt like we'd done a major disservice in the fitness business by massively overcomplicating diet and nutrition and, you know, basic lifestyle inter interventions that we'd over overemphasize the importance of the one hour exercise block. And, you know, we actually sort of started looking upon our own industry with a critical eye and thinking, man, like if you look at any metric that we care about in terms of how we're doing 
in society from a health standpoint, diabetes, obesity, mental health, low back pain, ACL tears and kids like we're not doing well. Everything is trending down, down, downward. You know, our kids are predicted to have, you know, be the first generation with a, a shorter lifespan than, you know, every other generation has been growing. So Kelly and I started, especially during COVID thinking, man, like, what are we getting wrong here? Because we're spending trillions of dollars in this business. And yeah, you know, we're not really helping people, you know, writ large, like people aren't, the messages aren't working and people are struggling and they want to feel good in their bodies. And COVID hyper emphasized that as we saw that, you know, people who had metabolic disease and were overweight, you know, had significantly tougher time with COVID and so I think we really just, we wanted to write this book that was completely accessible to everyone who they could leave it on their coffee table. They could have this, these 10 vital signs. They can check in on them a couple times a year. You know, these are the things that any good physician would do with every one of their patients if they had more than 10 minutes per appointment, right? These are things that any physician would do, but turns out you can do them in your home with your family members, with no equipment for free. And you can sort of get a baseline about where you are from a health standpoint, and then make these little micro changes that can truly fit into any busy life. And people can feel better and have more durable bodies. And so, so, you know, we were pretty excited because all of our other books were very niche, you know, very niche books that, you know, were cool and supple leopard, I think sort of went outside of its valence and became this thing that nobody still to this day understands, but still a very niche book. I mean, that thing is 500 pages. It weighs like 25 pounds and it's not for everybody. So we wanted that book to hand to the, you know, our neighbor who knocks on our door and says, what do I do? I threw my back out or our friend at the swim meet who says, Hey, should I be doing intermittent fasting or keto or paleo? Or, you know, the youth athlete in our neighborhood who says, what should I eat before a sport or after a sport? You know, just these kind of ongoing general health questions that we've been asked in our neighborhood over the years. We're like, we have answers to these and we'd love to be able to say, do these things. So that was kind of the history of the book. Well, you guys did an amazing job. And like I said, I don't usually make recommendations on the podcast, but I, which I love, I am going to recommend built to move. And thank you. um, I think you should buy it in print though, because what I've experienced reading the ebook is that there are these demonstrations that you're going to want to be able to refer to. Like Juliet said, it's like a reference book. You're going to want it nearby. So um, I hope you will uh, take my recommendation to get Built to Move. But I want to go back to the book marketing um, because I want to pull out some general lessons from our two calls that I hope that our listeners are hearing. Um, If you are a first-time author who's been listening to these episodes with Juliet, you know, the success that she and Kelly have achieved came because they invested a long time in adding value to online spaces. They built an email list of 110, did you say 110,000, 130,000 people? Yeah. You know, part of their journey included daily videos on YouTube that attracted an audience who could see the value that they were offering. So most of you who are listening, if you are at the beginning of that journey, are not going to be able to leapfrog instantly to the success that Juliet and Kelly have had with Built to Move. But, you know, I wanted to share their insights as a way of, you know, showing you what's possible when you do uh, have great value to bring, when you have amassed an audience. And there are these magical things uh, like a you know, big name New York publisher who's investing heavily, um, you know, because Juliet and Kelly created this platform, it gave them a place from which to gain additional success. So I hope that those are some takeaways that you're hearing. Um, 
And, you know, you can implement the things that they've done on a smaller scale for for your book. So I'm curious to hear, yeah, what did I leave out as far as like the lessons from, from your journey for those who might not have the same resources that you've had because of the investment that you've made in your platform over time? Sure. You know, one thing that stands out to me is a conversation we just had two weeks ago with our agent um, as we were talking about things we were doing, uh, podcasts that were hitting, you know, sort of the status of our book on Amazon. And then what we had sort of coming, like we just got back from Austin where we did a bunch of books, specific events, for example. And he said to us, and this really stuck with me, he said, he said, we have never, I have never seen an author like, like treat launch week, like a three month period, the way you two have. He's like, like most authors, they do launch week, you know, maybe their contract commits them to doing another week or two of book marketing. And then they kind of go dark, you know, and they just sort of like hope that like Jesus will take the wheel in terms of marketing. Right. And, um, and we don't take that view. Like we, we see that boots on the ground, like continuing to talk about the book, market the book, um, that two weeks after launch is 100% not enough time to take your foot off the brake. I mean, you know, Kelly and I'll probably really take our foot off the brake, like in a few years. Um, although each, each of these phases will look differently. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting because, you know, I, I do see that in, in just as a, again, a viewer of other book marketers, right? There's this big push. Maybe they do a 60 day push before the book, they spend a couple of weeks and then they go dark. Um, and again, you know, what publishers want, and I think what publishers see sells books over time, is not actually really how you blow it up at launch. It's what they call the long tail. How much can a book just keep on selling year in and year out? And so I think that's where authors, I think authors get a little lost on that. They get overly focused on the pre-launch, the launch, and then maybe they feel tired or exhausted and they they sort of take their foot off the gas. And, you know, my view is if you if you really want to, you know, get something out there and have it stay out there, which is really critical to the long term success of the book, you've got to keep your foot on the gas. So that was surprising to me to hear from my agent that, you know, that Kelly and I were like the you know, that we'd like exceeded the we'd exceeded the, the norm by months in terms of our, you know, treating it. I mean, we literally just took our first vacation. We're like, okay, well, all right. We just took a vacation. So, you know, maybe we don't have to do 12 podcasts every week going forward, but yeah. So I think, you know, there's something to just say for treating it as a bit of a time of like work pain tolerance, like say yes to everything, you know, do all the things because from a marketing standpoint, as you know, some things are going to work with certain audiences and some things won't, but you know, you're never going to know until you try and kind of learn what your audience responds to. And and so, and I think, you know, I agree with you, what you said, that people can do a lot of the things we did, we did on a micro level, on a small budget, um, because a lot of what we do is very hands-on. I mean, I think, again, people may think that we had this huge staff. We have a very small staff, um, and most of them have other jobs. They weren't, you know, they all just came in and pinched hit to help us get built to move out and Kelly and I are on the ground packing our books and writing the letters that are going. We're very hands-on as authors. Um, we have we we. I just want to make sure I disabuse anyone of thinking that we've hired this huge team to help us. <laughs> you know, like we're super hands-on doing this stuff ourselves. And so there's no reason anyone who's listening to this can't do the same thing. Um, and then the other thing I would add um, is that you know give away stuff for free. I mean, I can't remember what someone who's either our agent or someone who's our publisher is like, I mean, you can give away like 80% of your book for free. 
you can't really, but you know what I'm saying? Like the idea is that, is that I think people feel like they have to hold things back because they're worried if they give away certain parts of their book or certain concepts from their book that no one's going to buy their book. It turns out the opposite is true. In, in many ways, the more you give away for free, the more books you're going to sell. As an example, and you might enjoy this on your own, by the way, we have a 21-day Built to Move challenge that's free on our website. Anyone can sign up for it. It's evergreen. You just go in and enter your email and you get 21 days of emails um, that give video demonstrations of all of the tests and all the practices in the book. Um, and that's all free. And so ideally, people are going to get way more out of the challenge if they own the book. It's meant to be a companion to the book, not instead of. But certainly, people can go on and do our 21-day Built to Move challenge without owning the book, right? So I think thinking about ways in which you can give away parts of your book and a lot of your ideas for free um, it, it feels scary to do that because you feel like you're giving away your intellectual property, but I ultimately think it helps sell books. Yeah, that's amazing advice. So at the end of every episode of the book marketing action podcast, we do always want to leave people with some action items that they can take immediately. And I want to, uh, connect to those things that you said, um, on a previous conversation that wasn't recorded, you and I were talking about passivity. And I think you were referencing that, Juliet, when you mentioned your agent saying that you and Kelly are way more active and hands-on than others. And we were talking about uh, an author of mine, Andrea DeWitt. We worked on her book launch earlier this year. And you mentioned how, you know, Andrea is a first-time author, but she keeps showing up actively marketing her book, you know, regularly. And you mentioned that you had seen that too. So I think the first action step that I want to offer for people as a result of this episode is ask yourself the question, am I actively engaged in marketing my book or am I passively waiting to see what will happen? And if you identify that you're taking a passive approach to book marketing, commit today to becoming more actively engaged and sharing the word about your book. How's that for an action step? I love it. All right. And Let's see. Action step two. I want to piggyback on what you said about the 21 day uh, challenge. You know, um, a challenge is a great way of building your email list and letting people know about the content in your book. And so I want to encourage you to go download uh, Juliet, Juliet and Kelly's challenge and consider whether or not you could create a challenge to share the value of your own book with readers. So there's two action steps from today's call. And um, I hope that you will, again, if you missed the first episode, go back and listen to that one. Uh, check out Build to Move. It's my first recommendation. And uh, Juliet, so if folks who are listening today want to stay connected to you and Kelly and the Ready State, where are the best places for them to find you? Sure. Uh, we spend most of our time on Instagram. Um, I am at Juliet Starrett and Kelly at Kelly and the business are at the ready state on Instagram. Um, you know, we dabble a bit on LinkedIn and the other channels, but you can find us on the same handles on other channels as well. We're obviously now on threads like everybody else. Um, I noticed and that. Yeah. I'm like, we're on threads. Oh, it's one more. Um, and then, you know, check out our, our webpage at builttomove.com, you know, especially authors, obviously you got to have a website for your book. Um, and so you can see what we did. That's where people can sign up for the 21 day challenge. And, and I think if you're, if you're following us on social, um, and if you, if you join the 21 day challenge, you'll be on our email list and you'll, you'll see our ongoing efforts to continue marketing our book. I mean, you'll see it front and center because we will continue to market build to move from now into the future. So I think it's, you know, you can go to school on what we're doing and see if there's anything you like and don't like and, um, you know, and go from there. So 
I think we need to add that as an action step. Definitely follow along so that you can see some amazing approaches that you can incorporate on your journey. That is amazing. So Juliet, thank you for generously sharing so much time with me and our listeners. And I wish you great success with Built to Move. Um, And I'll be watching your journey too. Thank you so much, Becky. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.